Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. Hi, it's Michael Smirkanish. Welcome to Book Club with Michael Smirkanish, a collection of Michael's favorite interviews with authors from the last 30 years through today, on the air, on radio. What sets my book club apart is that I actually read the books. Book Club is now in session. So my next guest is here because a number of you listeners said to me, Michael, you would really like this guy. And today I'm thanking you for the advice because I thoroughly enjoyed his most recent book. He is the author of San Francisco, Why Progressives Ruin Cities. He's an author, he's an environmentalist, and right now he's an independent running for governor of California. He needs to finish second, presuming it's Gavin Newsom, and of course it will be who finishes number one, in that upcoming jungle primary on June the 7th, then he would square off against Newsom. This is Michael Schellenberger. Hey, Michael, thanks so much for being here. Yours is a history steeped in progressive, even radical policies or politics. How do you describe yourself today? Hey, thanks for having me, Michael. Um I mean, I, I mean, the independent label is probably the best one, but a friend of mine came up with a pretty good uh, explanation of my views, which is that I'm a bleeding heart liberal when it comes for my concern for the vulnerable. I'm a libertarian in my passion for freedom, and I'm a conservative in my care for civilization. 
I like it. It's a little long for a bumper sticker or a yard sign, but I like it. <laughs> Michael, I came yeah. I came of age politically in the 80s and and on the subject of uh today what we'd call homelessness, the lexicon was different. It was hobos, it was bums, it was vagrants. So when and why did the label shift to homeless and what are the consequences from a policy standpoint of that description? Yeah, I mean, the word homeless was deliberately chosen by a group of very progressive left-wing housing advocates who wanted to describe the problems of the people living on the streets as merely problems, um, as merely economic problems, and to kind of cover up or, or downplay the role of drug addiction and mental health. And this is not my conclusion. This has actually been openly you know, discussed by scholars in the literature. And it really did a disservice because, of course, the big driver, or maybe not of course, but you know, what you realize when you study this issue is that you know, the vast majority of people living on the sidewalks, living in tents on the streets, are there because of untreated mental illness or addiction. You know, the typical story is that you become addicted to drugs or alcohol, you stop working, you, you know, steal, lie, and cheat friends and family. They finally cut you off, and, you know, you basically end up on the street because you don't want to spend any of your money on anything other than your drug habit. And so to describe that as just a problem of high rents is really a disservice to people who are suffering from, you know, a substance use disorder, mental illness, you know, or something else that is behind the economic consequence. Right. I agree with what you just said, and and I think it's important to get the nomenclature correct. What I'm not understanding is this. If we say homeless, the focus is on income or it's on wealth. Obviously, it's on shelter. But what constituency wants to see it misidentified? And what's their angle? What's their upside? Well, I mean, for people, for ordinary folks, ordinary activists, you know, they, I think they think they're doing the right thing. You know, I think there's other people who have more radical intentions. You know, what you find is that there's a hardcore radical left activist behind the homeless movement that really just hate modern society. They think it's capitalism, it's evil. They want to create, they basically support, you know, the homeless encampment spreading you know, and I discovered the Europeans, they had so-called homeless encampments, but they were more honest about what they called them. They called them open drug scenes, meaning that these are open-air drug markets where the addicts are so addicted to the substances that they end up living in the open drug scenes. And so the people that protect them, the very radical folks that protect them, you know, kind of see it as an FU to society, you know, as a way to say society is corrupt and Look at how terrible it is. So it becomes a kind of self-fulfilling prophecy. Bootstraps or personal responsibility never mentioned by progressives in this context, which when I stop and think about it, is an, that omission is actually an admission that this is not a housing issue, right? We, we don't say work hard and you too can get shelter. The progressives don't say that. What do you read into it? 
Well, that's right. I mean, you know, obviously a bunch of people are um, suffering from addiction and they've lost control. So it's not obvious that they can exercise that control without some sort of external pressure combined with support. You know, I think we tend to think of these things as either or, but what I discovered in Europe is that there's always carrots and sticks. You know, you might be able to get access to a subsidized apartment, but you need to you need to stop using drugs or right. you need to take your, your psychiatric meds. But I think the broader um, instinct from many progressives is kind of victim ideology. It's this idea that to, that you can divide the world into victims and oppressors and to victims, everything should be given and nothing asked. So it's actually viewed as immoral to, you know, by many progressives to require people to stop using drugs or take their meds before getting access to housing. They view that as punitive. Um, in fact, it's actually what often people need in order to gain control over their lives. So, you know, you sort of get to a, what we call pathological altruism. It's a kind of keeping people dependent on the you know nonprofit charity provider or others rather than helping them to become independent and realize their potential as human beings. So there's a vignette in your book that really makes the point that you're addressing now. There's a UCLA sociologist who studied drug treatment programs at Skid Row in downtown L.A. and other programs or another program in Malibu. What was the difference between the two? Yeah, well, this is really amazing. I mean, basically, if you are a celebrity trying to get over your alcohol or drug problem and you go to re a very expensive rehab, you know, they can be like $100,000 a month, um, you get your butt kicked. You know, they're hard on you. That's what you're paying for is for serious rehab. It's um, tough love. And at Skid Row, which is the public, you know, publicly provided or publicly subsidized, they go easy on you. And I thought that was really striking. In other words, when it comes to the rich and famous, they know what they need. They need to they need to get order. They need someone to impose some order on them. Um, but we don't do that for the down and out. Instead, we impose a kind of victim pity ideology onto them. And it's really a disservice to people who need help. This is the Book Club with Michael Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. 
quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math and see how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to netsuite.com slash smirconish, netsuite.com slash smirconish, netsuite.com slash smirconish. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app. Michael, there's an exchange in the book that you reprint almost like it's a transcript on the issue of what to do with the mentally ill who break the law. It's it's you and a pair of representatives of the ACLU and the ACLU and others say these people are too impaired to be held accountable for breaking the law but not impaired enough to justify the same treatment as others suffering mental disabilities, such as dementia. Explain that. Right. Well, I can't. It's totally irrational, as you said. I mean, you know, if your if your parent, if your mother was suffering dementia, you know, from Alzheimer's or some other reason in a nursing home, we don't let her go out on the streets and, you know, smoke fentanyl or crack that would, we would consider that irresponsible. So then why do we do it with people that are mentally ill and psychotic? 
It doesn't make any sense at all. And yet that's the policy in California and many other states. And it's it really the, the responsible party, or I should say the irresponsible party, is the ACLU, which is an organization I had long supported. But in the book, I really, you know, press them on this issue. And they couldn't justify it. I mean, it's basically... I mean, if you really dumb it down, they're just saying, oh, it would be mean to require psychotic people to follow the law. Well, it's not mean. It's actually compassionate because if you don't require psychotic people to, you know, sleep in shelters rather than on the sidewalk or, you know, not use drugs publicly or not defecate publicly, then you're actually contributing, you're enabling their self-destructive behaviors. So it's the worst of all worlds. I mean, the so-called, these open drug scenes, which have, you know, which are comprised of, of addicts and mentally ill people. I mean, these are places where basically almost a hundred percent of the women I interview have been sexually assaulted multiple times. These are people who are trapped by their addiction or by their psychiatric illness. And so really what you get to is a kind of denial of mental illness on the part of ACLU. And instead of acknowledging that they're suffering, you know, mental illness or addiction, the ACLU wants to just sort of suggest that, no, no, these people are just victims and all we should do is just try to help them. It's actually what someone in the book finally calls, it's a kind of left-wing libertarianism. So on the one hand, it's libertarian because it says you should let people destroy themselves. But it's also left wing in that you should you should provide them with social services in service of them destroying themselves. So it's really the worst of both libertarianism and progressive ideology. You made reference to Skid Row in Los Angeles. I for CNN, I have conducted interviews inside tents of some of the residents of Skid Row in L.A. Mm. Um, I've also been to the Tenderloin. I've interviewed some of those affected in the surrounding area. One that stands out is that I interviewed the dean of the Hastings Law School, which has that situation literally on their doorstep. Uh, and another one that actually just popped into my mind. I did a segment about a mom from Washington State who went in search of her fentanyl-addicted daughter and found her in San Francisco. In in my own sort of, I'm very interested in the issue, but I lack your expertise and, and exposure to all the data. But when I talk to people about this, one of the things that always comes up in the California conversation is the role of climate. You argue that is not the full story. It's not that this all happens in California because it's warm and you're not going to freeze. If you sleep on a street year round, you say it's, it's really the progressivism. Yeah. I mean, I think it helps, you know, that like in Chicago or Boston, that it, it gets really cold. And so you have to, people have to be in shelters for a big part of the year. But yeah, I mean, I point out that in Miami, they don't have these big encampments. Um, they, they went back a bit during the, the pandemic because some of the shelters emptied, but it wasn't, it, Miami just doesn't have the same crisis that we have. And of course it's very warm in Miami. So no, it's more the culture. Yesterday I wrote a piece. I sort of described the culture as big Lebowski syndrome. If you remember the cult class the by the Coen brothers, the character, the dude, there's a kind of, you know, take it easy, man, um, attitude, which is libertarian. You know, it's kind of liberal libertarian, which is, Hey, someone wants to sleep on the sidewalk. Um, who are you to judge? You know, um, someone likes to shoot heroin or smoke fentanyl in public. Who are you to judge? You know, you drink wine. 
And it's, it's really quite a disservice to people that are suffering serious addiction. I mean, if your addiction is leading you to live in a tent on the sidewalk, you're pretty far gone. And to compare that to some yuppie drinking a glass of wine at a sidewalk cafe is really misleading and it's unfair. Um, it's unfair both to the society two, that has to suffer the consequences of the homelessness and to the person that's suffering addiction. Two weeks ago, a Philadelphia city councilman, I'm in Philadelphia, took me to the so-called Walmart of, of open drug markets mm-hmm. in Kensington at Kensington and Allegheny. You, yeah. you write about this in the book, but I was there two weeks ago in the company of a councilman who wanted to drive me up and down the corridor and essentially asked the question you're asking, which is, how the hell do we allow yeah. this? to take place in the United States of, of America. I, before we run out of time, I have to give you my critique, my note. I have one note on your book, and, and I, I wouldn't be fair if I didn't hit you with it now. Uh, sure. It's the title. It's the title and the subtitle, because I found this book to be a very deep, very substantive addressing of what's going on in San Francisco, most importantly related to homelessness. And yet the title to me is the kind of thing that a publisher says, hey, you know, Michael Schellenberger, you've got a bestseller on your hand, but we got to get you on Tucker or on conservative outlets. So call it San Francisco, why progressives ruin cities. And I don't think it did you. uh, I mean, I think you did yourself a disservice because that is not who you are based on this book. And that's not what this book is. Yeah, I mean, you might be right, although I'm not sure if I had changed the title, they would have had me on CNN either. I would have. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. And you can't and you can't you can't now. No, no, no. I I can. I I, I meant what I said at the outset. You're on my radar screen yeah. because my audience said this guy is in your wheelhouse. You ought to get to know him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, you had John McWhorter on and his book is called Woke Racism. You know, um, is it a, is his title less incendiary? I have to think about that. Woke yeah. racism. I love John, and I love his book, and I loved your segment with him. But the um, point that I the point is, I, 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 first of all, I, I play by my own rules. Like, hold me accountable yeah. only for me. I'm, I'm. Yeah. Well, you're here. I, I wasn't dissuaded by the title. I, it's just when I got to the end of the book, I said, "Wow, I don't know, not what I would have called it." That's all. Yeah, I mean, I think that there is. I am diagnosing something. I think it's pathological. Um, it's pathological altruism. And, you know, the subtitle describes what I'm getting at, which is as a lifelong progressive, what is it that we've done? I mean, you have to understand, I mean, you've been to Philly, but I mean, there's a large part of downtown San Francisco now is an open drug scene. And, you know, I just heard today there's a new fentanyl on the street that's even more potent. So, I mean, we're in a bad way. And um, you might be right. It might be you might be right that I should have given a different title. If I'd given a different title, I might have gotten more attention from liberals. No, I just I um, want you to be taken seriously. This is I think, Michael, I I agree. I buy into everything you argue here. I mean, the the, the book is the book is, you know, 400 pages long and and like a ton of them are footnotes. This is a serious work and it needs some serious attention. That's all. I wish you all good things and don't misunderstand where I'm coming from. Yeah, you may be right. Or maybe we'll get it some more attention in the coming weeks. We'll see. 
Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the Sirius XM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Book Club with Michael Smirconish. New episodes drop Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everything's changing so fast these days, and that's a great thing. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load on our desktop computer. But now there's the Xfinity 10G network. That means the fastest Internet with faster speeds rolling out every day and Internet that can power a house full of devices at once with ultra low lag. So while one person streams a movie from their room, another can play video games in the basement while another TikToks in the kitchen. It's the next generation 10G network only from Xfinity. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed.